Hello, welcome to Misadventures, a Gloomhaven podcast brought to you by Gamer Public Radio. The first portion of this episode contains spoilers for scenario number three. The second portion of this episode contains spoilers for scenario number eight. Please enjoy responsibly. So there we were, doing Jexra's bidding once again, and once again things are unraveling. I decided to jump into the thick of things with my brute, and a shaman totally jacked him up. I'm surrounded by enemies, and my only option of escape is to kick in another door. More misadventures are on the way, it seems, for our group of adventurers. Before we get into that, let's uh, start things off with our normal intro spiel, and uh, we'll do introductions again just for those of you who are new joining us or may have forgotten in the time between episodes. Yeah, as always, thank you for joining us on another Gamer Public Radio family podcast. You can find all of our podcasts at GamerPublicRadio.com. Our main podcast runs on Sundays and Wednesdays and covers more video game related topics. You can tweet us at GamerPublicRadio.com. You can tweet us at GPUB Radio and we're Facebook Gamer Public Radio. All right, so for those of you who may be new or may not remember, my name is Casey. I play Etu the Brute. I'm Garrett. I play Tanzanite Stonechest the Spellweaver. I'm Steve, and I'm playing Bronstanamo the Firm, the Tinkerer. I am Skip, and I am playing the Vermling Mind Thief, Skeevil the Shiv. And together we make up the traveling group, the Party Poopers. Um, so last time we managed to wrap up our first task for Jexera. And then we went and did a little side of adventure. And, and honestly, the side adventure took a lot out of us. And, um, the spell weaver decided to rest up from that adventure. So, uh, Garrett was unavailable to play with us uh, this session. So it, we were doing a three man run and, uh, we just say the spell weaver was taking an extra long nap to recover. I think she's still sleeping on that, that pressure plate. Yeah, yeah. I actually did sleep for, I think, 19 hours straight the day that we were supposed to play. So that's pretty accurate. That's a yeah. coma. I prefer to th- uh, call it a sleep bender, but uh, that's fair. But yeah, uh, so anyway, he was under the weather and was not able to play, but we carried on without him. And um, we did such a bang up job uh, for Jexra the first time. She wanted us to go do more, some more stuff. So she wanted us to send a message to some Inox who she claimed were caravan raiders. And we were more than happy to do it because she pays well. Um, this is actually a bit of an Inox heavy episode because before we get there, we had a road event that took us to meet some Inox. And uh, we helped them out with some stuff, right? Don't remember the exact details, but things went pretty good. And I got a sweet item out of the whole deal. Uh, that I want to talk about just for a second. It happens to work really well for the brute. Um, and spoilers: this is a brief discussion on item number one hundred and six. So if you want to skip out on that, give us about 15, 20 seconds and hop back in. So item number one hundred and six is necklace of teeth. It's a head slot item, and what it does is it allows me to do a heal oneself every time I kill an enemy. So you can imagine being a tank, that's really nice. It kind of helps keep my hit points in check. It, it means the support 
guys don't have to do as much healing on me. And it also was a great way of getting rid of status effects. Oh, I got poisoned. Let me just go kill something. So that was awesome. I was really happy to get that along the way. So uh, three man party this time. We've got myself, the brute. We've got the tinkerer and we've got a mind thief. So we should be able to handle ourselves. And let's see, we're fighting some Inox. And the goal was to kill five Inox per each of us. And it starts in this big room. There's a bunch of side rooms attached. And there's like a, it's the first time we've run into it, but it, it was spawning guys in the room, right? And we could have opened a back door to stop that spawning, but we were constantly flooded with enemies and never did get around to opening that door because that sounded scary. But, um,. I gotta say, this one following it followed suit from the last one. Like we got through uh, scenario fifty nine the last time by the skin of our teeth, and this one was no exception. It was, I know we were sitting there for a while. I feel like we had a handful of turns left, and we were only about halfway through our quota, and we were just like, ah, we're not gonna make it. Oh yeah, th- this particular set of uh, dungeons that we went through, I was on my last turn, absolute. This is my final play. You guys go on. Yep. Yeah. That, that was the um, one you were stuck in that back room, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so I. So this was the one I got. Um, so we had a bunch of Inox up front that we had to deal with that were more the melee type. Then there were some archers we had to deal with. But then there was this shaman in the oh. middle of the room. That shaman was the worst. That shaman. I decided I was going to hop back there and deal with this shaman because he needed to go down because he was just causing problems for everybody. And, you know, I've got some nice jump, so I was able to jump in there, do a lot of damage to some bad guys, and I was right next to the shaman. I was also surrounded by bad guys. Not a big deal, though, because I have another really good movement card that I'm going to jump on the other side of the shaman, really lock him down, and force a bunch of guys to have to come around to get back to me. So the shaman goes on like an initiative eight and does a thing of, you can't move this turn. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) So I get beat up pretty bad, but I'm still up. I'm still standing. Not too bad. So the next turn, fine. I don't have that jump card anymore, so I'm going to have to find something else. I'm surrounded. But there's an enemy between me and my allies that's low on health. I'm going to kill him. That's going to open up a hole, and I'll be able to run through. Now, back to safety. Then the shaman goes on like initiative 10 and does a thing and says, you can't attack this turn. So I've got all this movement and nowhere to go. And if I stay here again, I'm going to get knocked down and we can't afford that. Like we're again, like this is rough going. We're, we're not meeting our quota very quickly. And so I do the only thing I can possibly do, and that is to run through a closed door on my right while surrounded by enemies. <laughs> How'd that turn out? Better than inspected, actually, because there was there was one elite archer in there, but that's all that was in there. And so I was able to kind of snuggle up to him. So I'm doing melee attacks. He's trying to back away doing ranged attacks. And so that was working fine. And I was able to put enough distance to me that it was taking the melee guys chasing me down a couple turns to actually get to me. And I got out of line of sight of the shaman, which put more pressure on you two, but it kept me alive and it gave our summons time to shine again. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 
we managed to f- eventually slog our way out of it, right? Uh, I, I believe, again, yet again, Rat Swarm kind of saved the day. Mm-hmm. I was able to finally stabilize in that room enough to kind of, I think I was actually able to long rest in there and recover enough to get my cards back and come in and help out again at the end. But I feel like we went from, because we needed 15 kills, and I feel like we went from eight kills to 15 in just a couple of turns when it took us forever to get those first eight kills. Yeah. Well, there was, uh, if I remember that correctly, there was a lot of obstacles to get around, and I didn't have a jump, and I don't think Skip had jumps. Well, there were a handful of obstacles, like, in the middle of the room, and then there was some, like, briars and stuff to get around, but it just was so clogged up with enemies that we couldn't fight our way through them. I think the the other thing we should mention, too, is uh, one of the rules in that scenario was if we opened that portal, it would stop those spawning enemies, and we actually chose not to open the portal. Yeah, because we knew spawning enemies would at least let us hit our quota. And again, we didn't know it was in that back room. Exactly. And it could have, I mean, it really could have turned things. We never had good control of the center room till the very end. Um, so yeah, uh, but we, we did manage to perse- persevere and, and fight our way through and just got through by the skin of their teeth. And that's a that's another thing that kind of, with the exception of the next, like this next scenario coming up, scenario number eight, like we have a good run of like five scenarios where it's just by the skin of our teeth that we're yeah. You, uh, you, worth noting. This scenario would have been brilliant for the Spellweaver. There was so much AOE that oh, could yeah. have gone on if she had been there. Yeah, what it about, sounds great. <laughs> well, maybe you should have been awake. And you would have had to stay in one room the whole time, so maybe you wouldn't have passed out. That I do really good. good when I don't need to move. That helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my favorite thing in that scenario was I believe this is the only time as the tinker I ever used a loot card. And it was a loot too, and I got a massive amount off of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's just so many bodies laying around by yeah. the end of the scenario that it was just money everywhere. I just kind of waited in and like <laughs> and I got like 36 or something off of that. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, which was huge for that early. And the reason you're probably able to do that is because we were both busy trying to just not die and get our last couple kills. Yep. So I think this was also the first um, first time I brought out the giant rat as well as the rat swarm. Yes, that's true. Because yeah, you, you had leveled so up, up into that. Yeah, we had a lot of extra help this one, but <laughs> there were still a ton and it took a long time. But but yep. don't worry, nobody nobody can take your place. No. <laughs> uh, so it's it's interesting because you mentioned all the money. It, I think money is a the rules for money. If you just look at them, are kind of weird. But I think they really do work because you only get to keep the money and treasure you loot during the session. As soon as it's over, all that extra money on the ground, even if everything's dead, you have to leave behind. And it sounds dumb. But it kind of gives you this tension on, do I have time to be selfish and loot? Because this is actually taking away resources for me to succeed. So, like, you kind of have to balance that while everything's going on. It makes it makes what could just be kind of monotony into something that kind of interesting. Do y'all ever find yourself getting frustrated by that rule? Or yeah, it's, it it's, it's like you were saying, sort of that short-term versus long-term. Like, can I accomplish my short-term goals while still doing this for long-term you know, investments? It kind of shows just how selfless I am by not looting. I give every <laughs> ounce of my being to the party. I don't selfishly run around picking up 
coins that fell out of how where did the coin come out of that bear steve i don't know but he doesn't have pockets Uh, to be fair, though, every ounce of your being is like 80% yeah, okay. of the rest of us. Right. So what? anyway, yeah, I do think it's kind of a weird rule, but it, it works for whatever reason. So just roll with it. Um, oh, another nice thing about uh, another th- nice thing that the spell waiver really would have appreciated from this encounter. The reward had 15 gold apiece in it. Uh, and since you don't pick money up, would have been, been a nice source of income for you. Although I did end up getting an item out of this encounter, even though I wasn't there. That's right. Yep. Uh, what was it? Was yes, the the correct. orb thing right? Uh, that was the power orb. I, I thought the orb that was that actually came out of the last session. Uh, that that was the reward for completing the ah, golden fight from hell. Uh, you just didn't get to use it yet because you had just gotten it and skipped this. Right, uh, right. Skip this session. Um, so anyway, we job well done, job well done. Oh, by the way, we also discovered that there was like the Inox had children in the back room, so that was kind of a surprise. But uh, wait, like we like find his own children, and you just killed their parent. Basically, it was wow. like a community, and then we just kind of kicked at the door and lay down the law because that's what we were paid to do. Monsters, and we did it well. Yeah, so. Anyway, we kind of go back and get our payment for that and, are, you know, feeling whatever. Okay, I guess. And then, like, so there's a, we'll call him a constable, uh, some city guard outside waiting for us. Apparently, he'd been spying on the place. And he informed us that he believed Jexero was up to no good, which, I mean, After yeah, sure, last she's got mission. horns and a tail and stuff. But, I mean, she pays really good money. Is she really up to no good? That is a horrible um, gauge for whether someone's good or not, by the way. Yeah, but it's, it's a pretty good gauge on if we should care. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, anyway, we had the option of going to investigate this further because he's the city guard and needed help from us for some reason, or we could go help her out some more at a diamond mine because she needed a diamond, which that sounds pretty lucrative. But anyway, I guess our conscience or our curiosity got the better of us, and we decided to go to the Gloomhaven warehouse for us. Uh, Scenario number eight, which we will be beginning shortly. So if you don't want spoilers on that, go ahead and mosey along. But uh, for, for me, the decision was driven by not having to walk so far because it was right in town. It was in town, which meant we <laughs> didn't have to do a road event, which sounded lovely about this point in time. Um, and I believe our city event. It was nothing real memorable. Oh, we did the thing for the church, didn't we? Yes, that's right. Which yeah, got some a few gloomy bucks and then we moved along all right guys before we move to that next scenario though it's time for what's cooking again and uh we're at steve's place this time and so he had to open up with a really really strong salvo of food what do you got for us this week steve uh this week i was trying to get experimental uh i had recently purchased a sous vide device Uh, for those unfamiliar it's it's essentially a very fine temperature control crock pot kind of thing. And it does it with water. So you seal the food in it, submerge the bag and it keeps it at temp for however long you need to cook it. And I was going for sous vide pork belly and I was pairing that with an apple risotto and like little Parmesan crisps. And I think we were doing them as sliders initially. And then we just started making rice bowls out of them. And it wasn't just sliders. They were sliders on the King's Hawaiian rolls, which that's the only way you should do oh, it, right? Yeah. Those things oh, are yeah. amazing. It really is. I've, yeah. I've mentioned before, by the way, if you ever go to somebody's house and you see moldy King's Hawaiian rolls, 
get the hell out of there because something's <laughs> wrong with that house. There's no reason on earth they should ever be around long enough to get moldy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went, went the slider approach for round one of the pork belly and then was feeling like the bread was going to be a little too heavy for the second round. So I went ahead and just put that apple risotto on the bottom of the bowl, put the pork belly on top of it. Put the broke the parmesan crisps up on top, and then you had a you had a sauce as well that just yeah. lathered that on top. Man, yeah, nice I'd, little don bowl. Yeah, I taken the the juice that had rendered out from uh, the pork belly. And uh, by the way, the apple risotto is probably thanks to you, Tots, because you got Matt hooked on that stupid food war show, and then he got me on it. <laughs> oh my god, that show's so good. <laughs> I mean, in that it's so bad, but it, it puts me to shame on like actual cooking knowledge. However, I, that that was inspiration for that recipe, and I think it went really well with the pork. I was surprised it came out okay at all. I think I was telling you guys like I'm ready if this bomb to just pay for pizzas. Apologize. <laughs> Did not have to pay for pizzas. I, I don't know, dude. Yeah, th- this was really good. I, I really like this one. It was all so different. I when I see you on Chef or Top Chef or <laughs> Chopped. I will not be surprised. So just <laughs> I will be. Put that out there. So <laughs> I, I've already put the nomination in, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, all right. So now that we've eaten, let's continue on our adventures. So anyway, we travel along to the warehouse in the city and make an interesting discovery. It seems that Jexra is a wee bit of a necromancer. Which, as you know, is frowned upon in the city. Maybe you don't know. But, um, but yeah. So, we enter in this warehouse and are immediately met with undead. There's living bones is in there, living corpses. It's just kind of a mess. But I gotta say, and this is probably a credit to the fact that Garrett's character was not here. We really came into our own on this one. Like, we stepped up and took care of business. There was no mucking around. We moved through the first room, taking out skeletons. And the second room was interesting because it was like a maze of corpses. But we took care of that too. And we took care of that so hard that, uh, Steve, I believe you had time to manipulate your way around a trap to get to a chest and loot it while we were fighting. Oh, yeah. no, like we we um, were like clockwork. You were doing hand signals. Skip had night vision goggles. <laughs> my 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 dummy was like fast roping in. It was beautiful. Um, and then I feel like we took our lessons learned from that stupid golem encounter, and it really made short work of the boss fight in the back room because this back room had two Inox bodyguards with lots of hit points and these nasty area of effect attacks. Yeah. And they were just going to trounce us in this last room. And this is where, like, we see Jexera, and then she says a bunch of crap, and then she jumps away and runs up, runs out. Uh, but we have these two big bodyguards to fight. Well, so I had opened the door using a jump movement, and I still had some movement left. And there was a trap in front of that door that I jumped around. So I just jumped back in front of the trap and let them come to us. So they filtered back out of their room where all their AOE stuff would have been really good into our room where we were spread out and ready for them. And there's a maze of bookshelves keeping them at bay, let them hit the trap. Then I jumped back behind them and kind of tied up the back one while you guys focused on the front one. 
we made pretty short work of those guys, I believe. I'm not sure the rats were even able to get involved in. No, I don't that. think they did because I think they got stuck in the maze in the second room. That That's was right. They did get stuck thing. in. The- it's just that the, the second room was awful without jump, and this is just more um, emphasis on needing jump because you had to waste so many cards to get through this stupid maze. Yep. The jump made it perfect to get through it easy, and it was a pain. And they, the rats were almost useless. Yeah, we just we, we bottlenecked them, if I remember right, in the doorway somehow. Yeah, because it was, oh, it was like, very slow. Like It was, it was yeah. a one yeah. X wide path all the way through it. Um, but yeah, the fact I had jump made it really easier for everybody else because I was able to kind of kite them out to us. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but yeah, we were able to kind of pit them in, neutralize them, and uh, honestly completed this scenario without a whole lot of sweat. Uh, we gain reputation as a result, uh, which is always a positive since we're terrible about that. We kind of keep people making people in the city mad, and I don't I don't get it. Like we're just doing our thing, man. Yeah. I mean, um, was, I think that was our first mission that went that smooth. Oh yeah, and we've had a, we've had a couple since, but that was that was really like the, I think when we started to gel and kind of understand the mechanics well enough to do it. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then again, uh, Garrett wasn't there, and I imagine that had something positive to do with the group. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so this was cool. So one of the cool things about this one is, so going into this, we had a decision to make make about where to go. And then like we made this decision and it opened up three new locations for us. And I imagine the other decision would have opened up a bunch of locations. So things are starting to finally branch now. We had choices to make and we had plenty of options of where to go next. So it was all focused on kind of hunting down Jexera, but we had a couple of different ways to go about it, um, which we will definitely go into more you know, next time. Um, but, uh, you know, before we wrap up, uh, Steve, I believe you finally hit level two. Yes. Actually you hit, you hit level two after the scenario number three and you got to use your level two moving into scenario number eight. Mm -hmm. And that was with your tinkerer. Do you, uh, what, I guess what uh, perk did you take, if you can remember, and what card did you go with on your level two level up? Um, perk wise, I think uh, before then I, I had gotten a perk through the check marks, and I had taken the uh, the no negative status effects on scenarios. Yeah, and so for this we... one, I I took one of the check marks for removing. I think it's two minus one cards, which is really nice. The tinker has like a bunch of things to get rid of all the negative cards out of the deck, which was really really useful. Yeah, I feel like taking negatives out of the deck is one of the best ways to go early on just because drawing out of that deck and knowing the only thing you have to worry about, like there's one null in here and everything else is going to be neutral or positive. Yep. Like it makes things go a lot more smoothly. So you, you get a lot more consistency that way. Uh, as far as cards I swapped in, I pulled in the stamina booster card, which uh, it's got an upper of a heal four at range three, which is just nice. And mm-hmm. the lower one lets me give one lost card back to an ally within range three. Um, now, that's a loss for me, but that allows them to pull something big back in. And I know I've used that with you a couple times, Casey. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I've got a couple big hitting cards, and it's sometimes it's worth taking a loss, but sometimes situations come back up where those are better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know we were a little uncertain about that card because it, it's kind of a weird, like, you have to lose a card to help somebody else unlose a card, and it's kind of a net, z- uh, net zero in that sense 
but you also have so many more cards than everybody else that it, exactly. it kind of works out. Yeah, and it, it really fits into the Tinkerer's play style of being there to support you know the rest of the team. And I mean, you had you had that one card that you can run around and hit something for distance. Now you can do it twice. It's right. it's a handy thing to have. And then the heal the heal you four with range three. It's nice because it lets you kind of stay back a bit, mm-hmm. but it's also another it's it's another great option to target the summons, which we always seem to have a lot of summons out. We've kind of developed into this summon heavy party with, yes. uh, you know, I mean, all three of you guys have summon abilities that you have on your cards, and mm-hmm. then there's a, like summon items that are where you're starting to get that are bringing creatures out as well. So that's fair, and I have definitely shot arrows of healing at rats uh, skips rats more than once <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i mean they're, they're they've appreciated it they're so nasty they're like they demand attention man but I, but i think within the fiction of what we were talking about how the the rat's health is just tied to the number of rats i now have these little <laughs> arrows with rats strapped to them that i fire into the pile just adding it to the swarm <laughs> right nice. it's got a quick release that's what it is they're like tactical drop rats so i fire them and then they pull a little ripcord and drop into the the squad of rats. Excellent. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was really impressed with this session because this was the first time we played with a group of three. Mm-hmm. And again, like we had just finished up a session with a group of four that was by skin of our teeth close, and then we get in here and we've got another close one at three, and it's you know, and then. We, I mean, we handled the second one fairly easily, but we're still getting comfortable with our characters. And it's still like, it's impressive to see it balance kind of all the way through, right? When you really stop to think about it, you've got so many character classes that can be at groups of two, groups of three, groups of four. And you've got all these different character classes that can take at different cards and different item equipment. And the fact that it's, it seems to be handling everything really, really well, no matter what we throw at it so far, like I'm really impressed with the design in that aspect. Yeah. The, the, the designers for this were massively clever for how, how well the scaling works in this game. Like you were saying, it's some sort of black magic. I don't know. I mean, there's gotta be math going on in the background that they can kind of predict roughly how things are bouncing out, but it's gotta be really tough to try to right. But with all the all, all those boxes, all the different classes of enemies and moving pieces and all that stuff that they figured it out. Like kudos, man. Yeah. And then, like that uh, side quest we did last time, they had no way of predicting that we would do that third. I mean, we might not do that until like the twentieth scenario or later, you know. Yeah. So, really impressed with the game so far. The more we play it, the more I am impressed with it, and we are not getting tired of it in the slightest. Like we keep coming back for more every time. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that wraps it up this time. A little bit shorter of an episode just because there was only three of us. Um, and then again, if, when there's less misadventure like there was in the second one, it, there's a little bit less to talk about. But uh, don't worry, we will be right back at you with misadventure next time. Oh yeah. As we um, have some really close calls, just kind of taking a walk through a forest. So be sure to join us for that one. We'll be back as a party of four again. Thanks once again for listening. And again, if you do have any suggestions, please hit us up at Gamer Public Radio. Catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Misadventures, a Gloomhaven podcast brought to you by Gamer Public Radio. Please join us every Friday for new episodes at misadventurespodcast.com 
or find us on your podcast application of choice. Music for this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod. For more of Kevin's work, please check out incompetech.com. See you next time.